George Washington's favorite passage of scripture today, Deuteronomy chapter number 28, to bring our message, Deuteronomy chapter number 28, the preaching of the word of God. I'm thankful to be an American. I'm thankful that God so blessed that I would grow up in a country where we would have freedoms not only to worship, but to attend a Christian school as I was given that opportunity to be able to go to seminary, to be able to have the freedoms that we have. I'm very thankful for it, and I'm proud of it. I'm not ashamed of it one bit, and I hope this song will be a blessing to you this morning. again just my children and my wife I'd thank my God above to be living here today cause the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away and I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget the men who died and gave that right to me and I proudly stand up next to you and defend her still today cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA from the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee Across the plains of Texas From sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston And New York to L.A. There's pride in every American heart It's time we stand and say That I'm proud, proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the men who died And gave that right to me And I'd proudly stand up next to you And defend her still today Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA to be an American where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget the men who died and gave that right to me and I proudly stand up next to you and defend her still today cause there ain't no doubt I love this land you're Deuteronomy chapter number 28. Let's stand together 
in honor of the reading of the Word of God, if you're physically able, that baby hasn't fell asleep in your lap already, and I know the quartet and the choir and probably everybody else is like I am between the hay and the hollering this week. We're just having a good time getting through the song service. I don't know what kind of preacher would put VBS back to back with a patriotic service, but he ought to be fired, amen. Deuteronomy chapter 28, this was George Washington's favorite passage of scripture. And it came to, shall come to pass, thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do, do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle and the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way And flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses. In all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself. As he has sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God. And walk in his ways. And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of thee and the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods in the fruit of thy body and in the fruit of thy cattle and in the fruit of thy ground in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season and to bless all the work of thy hand And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. The Lord shall make thee the head, and and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. Thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll bless the preaching of the Word of God this morning. I pray, Lord, you'd give me unction and utterance. Lord, you know what is on paper. You know what is on my heart. But God, I pray that what is on your heart will come to the front. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd hide me behind the cross and allow Christ Jesus to become preeminent throughout this message. Lord, I pray that you would stir the hearts of our people Lord, I pray, Lord, for our country, for our nation, for this great land. Lord, we have some here that are not from American soil, but they are here because of the blessings that you put on this land. And God, we're thankful, Lord, that they also are able to enjoy the freedoms and the liberties that we have today. God, I pray, Lord, that as you speak to our hearts, may you challenge us. 
May we see a vision for the future. May we realize, Lord, that you're not finished yet. And until you are, we are to be faithful, obedient, and serving the God of all glory. I pray, Lord, that once again you would bless America. Lord, I thank you for the waves of revival that are fanned across this country. Lord, I thank you for the great revival happening in Annawalt, West Virginia. God, I pray, Lord, you'd bless Brother Farmer and those people as they go into a second week of unscheduled revival. God, I thank you for the great revival you've spent in Burlington, North Carolina. Lord, our dear friends there who are seeing hundreds saved. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless them as they go into to week nine of an unscheduled revival. God, I pray, Lord, that revival would not miss us, but the Spirit of God would revive us again. God, that we would rise up again. And Lord, that America would stand true and tall and stand for God in these last days. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to stand by Israel. Lord, help us to bear up the banner of the cross. And Lord, bless the service this morning. Bless this thy servant as I do my feeble best to bring the word of God to your people and with Thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, you may be seated. We read Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through verse 14. It is said that this was George Washington's very favorite passage of Scripture, as I mentioned. I can understand why he wouldn't like verses 15 to the end of the chapter, for he begins the cursing against those who do not obey the voice of God and do not observe the commandments of God. It was obviously George Washington's desire that in America, as they entered into this new world and into this new venture, uh, they could see the parallel as Israel was entering into their new land, into the promised land, as they exit Deuteronomy and the, the mantle is handed from Moses to Joshua and Joshua is about to lead God's people out of the wilderness and into the promised land. I can see the parallels that Washington would see as we are settling upon this new world in this new continent and I see his desire in this passage that America would observe to do and keep all of God's commandments which he commanded them this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth and with these foundations and with these roots in the heart of our leadership, in the heart of our forefathers, God did indeed elevate America, the United States above all nations of the earth and she has prospered and been plenteous and been the superpower for many, uh, many years that she has been because of her adherence to and her honor of God and his word. And I think it's time that America get her focus back and look to God for the blessings again. Too many of us are relying on government. Too many of us are looking to our government to bless us. And I want to tell you, all blessings come from on high. Amen. I want to talk this morning for a few moments on why I love America. Typically, I take a passage of scripture and we exegete it and we do uh, verse by verse. But this morning, I feel that a topical message is necessary. And I believe that topical messages from time to time are important. And I want to discuss why I particularly love America. And this is what God's put on my heart to share with you. Number one, because she possesses a goodly heritage. I love America because of her history and because of her heritage. Psalm 16 verse 6 says this, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Psalm 61 5, For thou, O God, 
hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Psalm 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. I want to say this morning that as I read those verses and God is speaking to Israel, I want you to note that these uh, things are true of us. We have a goodly heritage. Uh, We have a heritage of those that fear thy name. And we are blessed of God because we have a nation in the past that has feared God. Most wars have their mottos. In fact, we can remember the motto uh, we're all familiar with, Remember the Alamo, that very familiar cry. But the motto of the American Revolution was this, No king but King Jesus. No king but King Jesus. And I want to tell you something I'd have Britain know today that I do not regret one moment what our forefathers did. I have no desire to enter back into the United Kingdom, for I am glad to be able to proclaim that even today, 240 years later, that we could say that America still has no king but King Jesus. I want to tell you this. I think a message needs to be sent to the White House. I think a message needs to be sent to Washington, D.C., that we have no king and we want no king except King Jesus. George Washington, who is the father of our country, when he took the oath of office as our very first president, he leaned over and he kissed the Bible, which was open to his favorite book and his favorite chapter, Deuteronomy 28. Washington County Washington County, many people do not realize Washington County is not named for President George Washington, but rather it is named for General George Washington, for Washington County was named such before President Washington became president. Before and after battles, Washington would lead his troops in prayers of anticipation and thanksgiving. In fact, it is difficult to discover any publication of Mr. Washington's in which he does not gratefully acknowledge or appeal to the divine providence of Almighty God. James Madison. Madison was known as the chief architect of the Constitution. He was the fourth president. He was a member of the first United States Congress and was the original author of the Bill of Rights of which he made religious freedom the very first item. He attended Princeton University. The college at that time declared, Cursed be all learning that is contrary to the cross of Christ. And I say to you this morning that we need to get back to the place in our Department of Education and in the schools of our land that cursed be every learning that does not reveal the cross of Christ. You know who the third president of Princeton University was? The third president of Princeton University was none other than the famous Jonathan Edwards, that great preacher of the Great Awakening. When that revival swept our country, uh, he stood as the president of Princeton University. He stood behind the pulpit and preached with a monotone voice, a message entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And I want to tell you something. God is no less angry today at the sin of America than he was when she needed an awakening in her early years. I'm here to tell you that we have 
have a great and goodly heritage. We ought to thank God for our history. We ought not sweep it under the rug, allow the Department of Education to white it out of the history books. We need to remember that our forefathers came to this country not for gold, but for God. They came to the East Coast for God. They went to the West Coast for gold. And I think it's pretty obvious how that has worked out. We are now trying to get God to the West Coast where wickedness prevails and where paganism is prevalent. We need to recognize that sin in our country that is saturating every corner, whether it be sodomy or abortion, has tainted our land. And our land faces the curse of an almighty God because we do not adhere in obedience or commending the commandments of God. Thankful for our heritage. Benjamin Franklin, who is often misunderstood and his religious positions misquoted and misrepresented. He founded the University of Pennsylvania, was governor of Pennsylvania. Benjamin Franklin signed the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, and the Constitution. He propelled the country forward when he stood and delivered a Christian oration that captivated the hearts of everyone who was in attendance. He said these words. He said, I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer that I live, the more, con- the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is improbable that an empire can rise without his aid. I am here to tell you this morning that Benjamin Franklin understood that we needed God. In fact, when the Continental Congress was at an impasse, the Second Continental Congress, which uh, met in Philadelphia, was at an impasse. They could not come to an agreement. There is great division amongst those men about what should be in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution as they move forward through this progression of documents over a series of 20 years. There came a point where everything came to a grinding halt and nothing could be decided. And it was Benjamin Franklin who stood on the floor of the State House in Pennsylvania and he declared that we must take three days of fasting and prayer. Many of them retired to Christ Church three blocks away. Many of them went to their homes and fasted and prayed for three days. And when they came back, a consensus was made. The documents were put forth and our country was born because of the prayers of its leadership. Andrew Johnson, 17th president. Andrew Johnson was said to be proof that anyone could rise and become president. I don't know what that means, but it sounds pretty rough. He rose to become 17th president. He said, let us look forward to the time when we could take the flag of our country and nail it below the cross and there let it wave as it waved in olden times and let us gather around it and inscribe our motto, liberty and union, one and inseparable, now and forever. And let us exclaim, Christ first, our country next. That's the kind of patriotism that the Word of God puts forth. Christ first and our country next. We have a goodly heritage. I could go on for hours and hours at the scripture that is embossed upon the monuments and the buildings. I was fortunate enough last week to take a trip with Brother Bobby Stewart who spoke to our adult class about God and country. We had fortunate enough to go to with him to Washington to meet some senators and, and to meet the chief of staff of, of some of the congressmen who are out of town at this time. And we went down and as we walked out of Union Station, we walked across over to the Columbus Circle. We stood underneath that big monument to Christopher Columbus who set sail to find a new country 
Because on Columbus's mother's side of the family, Columbus had Jewish blood. And he was tired of seeing his people impoverished. And he wanted to find a safe haven for the people of Israel. And he set forth with confidence in the word of God that God would help him to find a new land where his people would find safe haven. Can I tell you this morning that the Jewish people have indeed found a safe haven in America. America has been good to Israel. And I am proud of that part of our heritage. When they could not find a home in Europe, when the war of roses erupted and they were driven out of country after country after country, but when they were exploited for their riches and their prosperity and the blessings that God put on them, and when they had nothing left to offer, countries would crush them and send them away. They found a place with our shores where the arms were open wide, and the Jewish people found a friend and a brother, and the Jewish people found a nation where they could find safe haven. I'm here to tell you something. I stepped out there looking at that monument, and I turned my back on that monument to look back at the grandness of Union Station. And I began to read the words in big block letters across the top of that as she described our creator God, as it described his blessings and how that our nation and its industry uh, drew its roots from the word of God and the innovativeness of the word of God. It literally quotes the creative and inventiveness that is found in the word of God as it took us through the timeline of invention and industrialism. I stood there in awe as we walked through the Capitol and I saw the word of God every Everywhere I went, we have a goodly heritage. And I, for one, am proud to be an American because of our heritage. But I have to say that many times today, I hang my head in shame because of the heritage we're leaving our children in this generation. Number two, I love America because she pumps a gospel heartbeat. She possesses a goodly heritage but she pumps a gospel heartbeat. It has been said that missions is the heartbeat of God. If this is true, then America has become where God has rested his heart for the last 275 years as America has become a hotbed of missions activity, as America became the leader in missions over the last 200 years, as not only did we endeavor to reach those who were here before us, but then missionaries began to go out of this country and around the world. Over 35,000 missionaries currently out of the United States serving around the globe. She's been the number one missionary sending country for over 150 of her 275 years of history. The airwaves are filled with the gospel. Even here in this hotbed of liberalism, there are multiple Christian stations where the word of God is put forth through the airwaves, the bookstores, the community corners, the missions endeavors. America pumps a gospel heartbeat, a country church in the Appalachian Mountains, can build churches in the Carolinas, construct a warehouse for donated furniture in Wyoming, finance a church in Belarus, send over 500 Bibles to English-speaking people in Ghana, Africa, several hundred Bibles to India, Argentina, Peru, Spain, and other foreign countries. A, little, a church in Bel Air, Maryland can literally have a ministry where the sun never sets because our ministry supports missions around the globe. We have collected Bibles and sent them around the world. We have done a work 
for the name and the cause of Christ. But not only have we tried to reach the world with the gospel, we've tried to reach around the corner and across the street to carry the gospel to those who we meet every day and those who need God. America pumps a gospel heartbeat. It ought to be our desire to see that last. But that will not last if America turns her back on God. Many here today reach because of the outreach of America. Amen. If you were reached with the gospel, some, some American probably reached you. Amen. Boy, I had a little Sunday school teacher who had her flannel board and had the cross and the empty tomb and told me the story of Jesus. And I'll never forget the impact that it had on my life. Some are here from foreign countries who have told me, Preacher, it was because of the missionary who came to my village and told us the gospel. And I learned to speak English. I learned, I, I learned about the word of God and the things of God. How it warms my heart. But I'm afraid the light's growing dim in America. But I still love her because she pumps a gospel heartbeat. Lastly, I love America because she provides a great hope. The Declaration of Independence adopted by the delegates on July the 4th of 1776, not signed until later, is an expression of why men have a right to be free. And it declares as its author, uh, the authority, the author of all freedoms and blessings, the creator himself. It says we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That where, whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. She gives us hope because of these words that she stands by the truths that are evident from the Word of God. Let me give you three things about America providing a great hope. The, Bible, the American uh, uh, Constitution, the Declaration of Independence tells us that we have the right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. But I want to say, number one, there is no life without Christ. 1 John 5, 12, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no life without Christ. Number two, there is no liberty without Christ. You know, Patrick Henry, March the 28th of 1775, since the complacency among those other men who were met there, he sensed that there were some who were not touched by the persecution of the British government. There were some regions who were not being attacked as his region was. And he was inflamed and yet they did not seem to care. And he stood and passionately said, There is no retreat but in submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. Their clanking can be heard on the plains of Boston. It is in vain to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, Peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war is actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Why stand ye here idle? What is it that men wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of change and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. He spoke those impassioned words because he knew that there is no life 
where there is no liberty. And he knew there was no life if they could not be set free. So there is no life without Christ and there is no liberty without Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Galatians 5.1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. John 8.36. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Slavery was a great blight on our land. A great plague on our country. It had to be eradicated. And since it could not be settled in the continental uh, congress, it had to be settled in the bloody fields of battle. But I want to tell you something. Those slaves, though one day they would be free, while they were still bound, many of them were free in their spirit. For as you would pass by the fields where they were enslaved, you could hear them singing the spirituals. That would ring across the land. And while they were enchained, as many of our Christian forefathers have been enchained before, there is a freedom of spirit that far surpasses the slavery of the physical self. And they would sing and lift up their voices. But I want to tell you something, Liberty's song one day would come true. And they truly would be free indeed, set free not only spiritually, but physically as well. There is no liberty without Christ. No liberty without Christ. No life without Christ and no happiness without Christ. Psalm 144 verse 15. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Psalm 146 verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. Whose hope is in the Lord his God. Proverbs 16 20. He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. John 13, 17. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. I love how the Constitution is so wisely worded. I love how the Declaration of the Independence was so wisely worded. So obviously guided by the hand of God as those men sought his wisdom in forging these documents. And I love how they said that we have the right to life... Liberty, but it does not say happiness. It says we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. For you see, you have the right to life. No one should have the right to take that away from you. You have the right to liberty. And no one should ever have the right to take that from you. But happiness is something you must pursue. Happiness is something you must choose. Happiness, in fact, is a series of choices. And in order to have it, you must choose right. And the Word of God here has clearly told us how to have happiness. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Can I tell you this morning that you're alive. You have life. No man can take it from you. You're an American or you're here on American soil. And you have liberty. And no man can take that from you. But I want to tell you something. You have to choose happiness. And happiness is available this morning. It is available in the form of the Son of God who came and died for you and gave his life for you he died as any patriot would he laid down his life for you that you might have not only life and liberty but you could secure happiness through the Lord Jesus Christ 
America cannot guarantee happiness, but God can. America cannot promise happiness, only the pursuit of it. But God can bring real happiness and real joy and real satisfaction in your life. You can have happiness, but you'll have to get it God's way. Here in America, we're given the choice to choose, the freedom to choose. We're not told where we have to go to church, what we have to believe, how we have to worship. But if you're going to have happiness, there's only one choice to make. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Psalm 9, 17 said this. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. William Penn, the founder of Pennsylvania, summed it up like this. He said, those who will not be governed by God will be ruled by tyrants. Joshua 24, 15, he reminds us as they enter into their new land to choose this day whom you will serve. The Statue of Liberty in New York's harbor calls forth, Give me your poor, your tired, your hungry masses. Just as Christ is standing today, offering your only hope of ever having life, liberty, and happiness. He says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So as the Statue of Liberty has inspired many coming into the shores of America. Because truly they were tired. Truly they were weary. And truly they were hungry. And they were welcomed with open arms to our shores. But I want to tell you something this morning. You may be a full-fledged American citizen. Have all the benefits and all the blessings. But you may be tired, weary, and spiritually hungry this morning. And I've got news for you. Jesus is standing with his arms open wide saying, come unto me, come unto me. You can have life and liberty and not have happiness unless you choose Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for the word of God. Lord, I thank you for the heritage that I have. I thank you for those who sacrificed that we could have it. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the gospel heartbeat that this country has had down through the years and even today. God, I thank you, Lord, for the great hope that America has provided so many. A hope of a bright future. A hope of a better future. God, I pray that we would realize this morning that government doesn't give us these things. They come from your hand. And we owe a debt of gratitude to you this morning. Lord, if all we did was come in and thank you today, it would be good enough. For you truly have blessed You've answered prayers. You've done great things. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be burdened for our country. We'd be burdened for our fellow countrymen who seem to have their focus in the wrong places. The pursuit of gold will never bring happiness. But a pursuit of God can only bring happiness. God, I pray this morning for that one who does not know you. And though they have life and liberty, they do not have the happiness only you can give. They're missing spiritual life. They're missing spiritual liberty. God, I pray they'd come and get it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.